Hey, welcome back to the Tunes and Tunes podcast. Uh, it's Harold. We're here at episode 12. Caleb Masters in the house. What up? Hey, what's up, Harold? Uh, not, not a lot, man. Um, I'm excited to have you in. Uh, Caleb, I actually met him uh, at Wizard World, so I'm really excited to, for you guys to, like, to meet him and like kind of hear about what he's all about and everything. Wasn't Wizard uh, World great? It was a, yeah, it was, man. A, it was great to see so many fans turn out. The costume contests were great. A lot of co- great costumes. And, yeah, just so much. So, so exciting to see it happening in Oklahoma City. I'm used to driving, like, at least two to three hours to see something like that. Yeah, definitely. It was exciting. Um, Caleb actually does, like, uh, film reviews and, uh, like, essays and everything under the uh, uh you may have heard of it's called the cinematropolis uh once you tell people maybe if they haven't heard of the cinematropolis kind of like what the main idea behind it and like what you guys do is yeah so uh, the cinematropolis is a website that's uh, dedicated to film analysis we're we're we, we we don't really do reviews or at least our emphasis isn't reviews per se we, what we want to talk about is we want to look at movies and talk about what makes them really interesting and fascinating. So it could even be bad movies that we don't like. Um, so uh, recently we had uh, I, one that came out on Smokey and the Bandit where one of our writers talked about this is a structurally perfect film uh, just from you know a writing perspective. But also uh, he went into like what the film is actually projecting from Southern car culture back in the 70s. So there's some interesting stuff there. Um, or uh, we I did one uh, last month about Blade Runner and, and talk about the themes in the first the original Blade Runner and in Blade Runner 2049 and how those themes about like, what is humanity? What does it mean? What do, what do uh, replicants tell us about human beings and what, you know, how we view our own creations and then also how we view our creator creators, you know, like it's, uh, so we're really more interested in, in exploring like themes and ideas and really digging deep, deep into like the films that we're really passionate about. Uh, emphasis is on uh, genre cinema, independent cinema, uh, but, but also, uh, I do talk a little bit about some newer stuff we had. I wrote about, uh, Jigsaw cause everyone was, yeah. uh, everyone thought that was going to be great. So I wrote, um, I did, uh, I did a really brief recommendation like, Hey, uh, here's, you know, here's kind of what I think of the movie. Uh, but then also spent most of it talking about uh, my, my essay talking about, um, Hey, what does it say about fan culture? Cause that's again, what like not just, is it good or is it bad? what is this film trying to say or unintentionally saying? So a lot more analysis driven. Um, and we also recently just launched our first podcast uh, for the Cinematropolis, the Cinematic Schematic. Yeah, yeah. And that was really, that was the um, the uh, Blade Runner episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was really Runner. cool. Uh, that was a, it was a really good episode. And it's like, I like the idea of like getting actually like into the weeds and like actually like the theme, getting behind the themes and like kind of, you know, just like a deeper dive as opposed to like a, Oh yeah, this is a good movie or like, go see it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like you guys' whole vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're interested in because I mean, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down is good for, you know, it, it's nice to get that from your friends who are movie savvy because it tells you re- recommendation, but we're really more interested in, in getting in deep so that we can have a real, con- like a real meaty conversation about it. And who knows, maybe have a meaty conversation and walk away having a different uh, opinion about something or a different view about something. Cause uh, I really think the, the, the conversation that happens there is not, Ooh, I liked it or I didn't like it. It's Hey, what's this talking about? And what did this film leave me with when I left the theater? Yeah, definitely. Um, can you kind of talk about what like the inspiration was behind that? Were you just like a fan of movies from when you were a kid? Were your parents like uh, big into movies? Well, what was like the inspiration behind the Cinematropolis? Uh, yeah, so I was actually really sheltered when I was a kid. Uh, so I didn't get to, I was not allowed to watch a lot, air quotes. I, I snuck around and watched a lot of stuff. I was always trying to kind of push the envelope. So that was actually probably what got me so invested in film in the first <laughs> place. My parents were like, well, you can watch Star Wars and stuff. You can watch Jurassic Park. Uh, but no, you absolutely can't watch Halloween. You can't watch, 
um, trying to think like some of the movies. That, oh, Harry Potter. Can't you can't watch Harry Potter because magic and stuff, you know? Oh, and I was like, uh, I bet you I can, you know? So <laughs> it was, uh, so it kind of started that my, my thirst for like pop culture and film really started there. And it's just one of those things like, uh, I watched a lot of movies and for me, like if I'm going to spend so much time, my, my thought by the time I got to college was if I'm going to spend so much time consuming films, and, or even anime, really anything I consume, I want to like make something out of it. I, I want to feel like I did that. That didn't just, wasn't just something I sunk two hours of my life into. But again, man, I sent it sunk. I sunk two hours of my life about it. So what was that two hours worth? What was it like? What, what did I get from it? So I, it really started with that process of wanting to get more from movies and film and pop culture. And then, uh, I started blogging and started writing and eventually got public, uh, public was a published film reviewer. And, and then after doing that for a few years, doing the thumb, more of the traditional thumbs up, thumbs down, I said, okay, this is cool. I want to take this to the next level because for me, the most interesting thing about going to films is that conversation you have with your, your best friends or your, or even strangers you have, uh, you meet after at the movie afterwards, we were talking about, Oh man, that was, not just, Ooh, that was a cool explosion, but man, that was a really dramatic scene. in uh, you know, in star Wars, what does it mean? What does it mean when Han Solo says, uh, in empire strikes back, I know, Holy crap. Let's just, you know, yeah. not just geeking out about it either. Like I want to talk about like, Hey, that was a empire strikes back was a really dark movie, dark moody movie. And I wonder what it was. And I wonder why it was painting, uh, kind of painting the, the, the good and evil less, less, um, binary, you know, there's a lot of ambiguity. So, I mean, that, that was the thing I was more interested in was that conversation, which is how I got into, uh, also how I got into podcasts because podcast is a, is a great way to have that conversation, find, find yourself a co-host or some guest, and then you can sit and just really dive deep and just, yeah. So I've been doing that. I started blogging in 2011 and started podcasting in 2012 and I've been doing it ever since. Nice. Yeah. It's exciting to see like something like that translate from whenever, you know, you, always consume this but then to actually come through and like make it something like more worthwhile it's like okay like i'm actually like investing in this and making it something bigger than just like oh i'm just sitting and watching movies and doing nothing yeah and i mean without getting too specific it was really funny growing up in a in a more sheltered um environment uh you know uh deeply conservative evangelical environment the 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 mindset was well it's just a movie it's just a tv show so it's not really that important I'm like, well, but we all sit around spending hours and hours and hours watching all the stuff. So obviously it's not nothing. And if it is, then I need to go find something else to do. Yeah. And, and, and clearly like, you know, the, my most memorable pieces of my childhood came from going to films with my friends or my family and have, and honestly, those, those com- I, remember, I can still remember like a really specific conversation I had after seeing Inception where we sat in a parking lot for like five hours uh, until like three in the morning talking about freaking Christopher Nolan movies and it got really existential. So like that was, the, that's the, that's the, that's the <laughs> yeah. stuff that like really stood out to me. And I was like, you know, I, so I don't agree that, the, that these are just things that are a waste of time. Uh, I, I think they have a, they're super important and they, they tell us a lot more about the culture that we live in. They tell us about ourselves as individuals uh, and also can challenge us and make us better people. And ultimately I think make the culture better as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you feel like that was kind of like your, uh, how you made your introduction into anime, but like the same way with like movies, maybe it was something that you were like discouraged from watching or maybe you like didn't know you 
did you just like hear about it from friends? Like, how did you get into anime? Oh, so anime was, it, so it's interesting. I watched so much TV as a kid, so much TV. I name any Saturday morning cartoon block. At some point I watched it or watched <laughs> all of them at the same time. <laughs> you like, so, uh, my first anime experience, of course, Pokemon was a hit. I did have a game boy. So I played the Pokemon games, but I uh, did not have uh, WB whenever it was playing on WB, the, the original run. And I remember thinking, oh, darn, but I did still have a theater it was 30 minutes away, but there was still when Pokemon, the first movie came through, I was like, I can finally see what Pokemon's all about. It's yeah. going to be amazing. And I went and saw it. And you know, at the time I thought it was incredible. And then, and then also that was cool. So I didn't have Pokemon, but you know what I did have? I did have Fox kids, meaning oh, I had shit. Digimon. Uh, so <laughs> the hot like, take. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I couldn't get Pokemon. So I went to Digimon, which, uh, I actually fell in love with. And, and to this day, I actually think I prefer it to Pokemon like pretty much any day of the week. But at the time I just watched it cause it was what was there. <clears throat> it was what was in front of me. And so that was really the, the first series that really got me into anime. And that led to like Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, eventually Dragon Ball Z, all of those, you know, 90, that, that, that anime invasion uh yeah you see in the the mid to late 90s were and even early 2000s where um uh all these networks were paying like really cheap money to import all this anime over to the states and putting it on all their saturday morning blocks or and eventually toonami as well uh, on cartoon network so uh escaflone was another one i watched like every uh, vision episode. of escaflone yeah. dang <laughs> again stuff that just play it was yeah. like what was there uh and at that time there was just a lot of anime on those saturday morning kids blocks yeah see and that's one that i talk uh I talked to, I think, Mike Allen about Vision of Escaflone. And it's just, like, interesting because, like, I I don't even remember that being on. And so there's, like, all these ones that I don't remember that were, like, on, like, a Paranoia Agent, things oh, like yeah. that. So I'm like, how does I miss that? Escaflone is interesting because there was a very long period between when I saw it when I was probably eight or nine years old and in... And then until I found Wikipedia, like in high school, maybe even my freshman year of college, I thought I dreamed it up. That was like, I saw, <laughs> I saw a bunch of random episodes once, but like, you know, it was like along with all the other stuff I watched on TV and I only saw them once and kind of moved on. Cause it wasn't on that. The reason you forget about it, it was cause that series specifically was not on very long. I think it was only 13 or 14 episodes and it wasn't a huge hit. Oh, so it, it was off the air Short run. And, and there was a while with Escaflone. I was like, I remember in high school talking to my friends, like there was this one anime with the giant robots, but it wasn't a mech anime. It wasn't Gundam. It was uh, something else that was a little more romantic. And they're like, was that Escaflown? I was like, holy shit, wait, I, that's a real thing? Yeah. So I didn't just make this up in my head. There was, it, it was really funny uh, how your childhood memory works like that sometimes. Yeah, definitely. There's one uh, series that I always talk about with people. It's called uh, Knights of the Zodiac. And like no one ever remembers that. Yep, that face. That's that same face. I always get that, and no one ever remembers that show. And I'm like, God damn it, it was a thing. I mean, the name sounds r- extremely vaguely, but like the Knights of the Zodiac rings some sort of bell in there, but I, I couldn't tell you anything yeah. else. It's just funny. I'm like on that forever hunt of like finding someone that's actually like seen right. this show. Right. And I'm like, did I dream that? And it's like one of those things. Like I, I finally looked it up. I was just like, okay, this is an actual thing. I didn't invent this. Okay, I'm not crazy. Well, you, know what's, <laughs> you know what's funny too? Like I, so I watched all those anime TV shows, but I didn't have a huge access to, to film. So I actually didn't get into Ghibli, which of course is like, that is benchmark. That is a benchmark. That is a building block. That's usually for a lot of people. That's their gateway into anime. I didn't find really watch any of the, those films until college. I remember seeing spirit away when best picture. Cause weirdly, even though I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of movies, I still watched the Oscars. It was a weird tradition we did. You know, huh. me and my sisters always did for some reason. And I still to this day watch the Oscars every year. Uh, of course, but, uh, 
I remember seeing Spirit Away, and I was like, man, an anime in the best animated category. That's weird. But I, then I didn't think about it for years and years and years. And then I get to college, and all of a sudden, my roommate has the, all these Ghibli films. And I was like, oh my god, yeah, I've heard about these for years. I've got to see it. I've got to see. I've got to see that. I've got to see Princess Mononoke, Spirit Away, Howl's Moving Castle, and then I think Ponyo was like brand new whenever I was first getting into it. So it was pretty late in the game, and I, I, I absolutely fell in love with with Miyazaki uh, from like from Spirit Away. Just took me away, and I. Think, incredible film yeah it's just funny too because like the accessibility of those like uh my wife is not a fan of anime at all Mm -hmm. um but for some reason her math teacher in high school randomly i guess was a fan of anime so like you remember you could like you they would like wheel the tv into the room and you'd be like oh "Oh, shit we're about to watch a movie uh and they watched ponyo and I'm like, what? Wow. I'm just like, what? It's so a the only thing I could think of is like, man, he must have been, he's like a math teacher. Maybe he was like a nerd. Maybe he was into anime. Like that was my digression of it. Right. And so it's just funny, like the things like, uh, like that matter to people. Obviously maybe that was a movie that stuck out to him that he's just like, you know what? I'm going to show these kids this such movie. Such a random one that, cause that's, that's actually one of my lesser favorite anime, beautiful film, one of my lesser favorite of the Ghibli, but that's still really cool though. That's, that's what's great though. They are very accessible. They're really, I mean the, the analogy of uh, Miyazaki being the Walt Disney of Japan is pretty accurate, except for, <laughs> He's not Miyazaki's an, actually a good guy. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. not an anti-Semite. Yes, exactly. But like the way he's <laughs> able to. <laughs> Walt Disney, I mean, uh, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to go down the road. <laughs> Walt Shit. Disney was not the best person. Um, but uh, yeah, Miyazaki, though, his, his, his films are so accessible because his themes are so universal. And it really did help big time that. John Lasseter from Pixar was also a big fan. So whenever he took over uh, the head of Disney animation, they, they signed a deal that I think actually recently expired, but for years they were the ones who were in charge of importing all of they, they got exclusive rights to import all of Ghibli's things. So I think Mononoke was through someone else, but spirit away all the ones I just mentioned, um, uh, up on Poppy Hill, the secret of Arietti. Uh, what's the one with the planes that I always forget the name of? The wind rises. Oh yeah, uh, all those were dubbed through Disney. So that that's where you, they get all these oh, really big these big name actors to voice it, which I think makes it a little more accessible. Yeah, there was one where it was like Dakota Fanning was the voice. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what one that was, but. I don't know. I can't remember that. Okay. One. I, I know she wasn't one though, for sure. Yeah. Um, another thing that was interesting. So I actually, I, I also took Japanese in high school. Oh, so really? I, I have, yeah, I took, I took Japanese in high school. It was, I mean, in Podunk, Connorsville, Indiana. For I was going to say, where did they have Japanese in, in high school? school. Yeah. So I, I grew up, uh, I moved around quite a bit, but I did, uh, I went to high school in Indiana and we had a Japanese program and I said, I don't want to do Spanish because everyone does Spanish. My sister does French. I don't want to do French. <laughs> so I want to do my own thing. I want to do Japanese and, uh, really had me falling in love with Japanese culture. I, and unfortunately at uh, the university I attended did not have a Japanese program in college. I really, really regret not being able to continue studying. And I, cause one of my dreams to this day is still to go to Japan. Um, but that also was another one of those, I took it for three years and just everything from the food to the, the, the kind of the way people talk to each other, uh, really helped me appreciate anime, uh, that much more. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just an exciting thing to be able to like, you know, translate it from that into the actually something that, you know, you use like every day. Right. And so it just kind of takes it and ingrains it in a way that, you know, it didn't before whenever you actually have it, you're tied into the culture that way. Right. Um, one of the other things I like to talk to my guests about is like the advent of like a uh, American anime oh, in yeah. quotes. Um, and so we discussed that a little bit before this, but you're talking about like a Samurai Jack. 
uh, Avatar: Last Airbender. Um, what is your take on like the like an American anime? Do you think it's just like t- derives its style from Japan, or you think it's maybe blazing its own trail? What do you think about it? I, I mean, it's definitely blazing its own trail, but also homage. I mean, heavily homaging the things that it's inspired by. Samurai Jack. I mean that. I mean that show wears its its influences right on its sleeve and take it makes no bones about it. And that's why I love it because. I think American anime is its own thing. I do think it's anime, but I think it's its own category. I, I don't, people who are really snobbish about it, it it's weird because it's still using all of the strengths of anime, but also kind of applying some more American sensibilities it's to like it. like westernized. Well, yeah, it's a little more westernized, which I think is fine. Uh, that's It's not the same as actual anime, but I also don't think it's any lesser. I, I've heard that from a lot of anime fans. Well, it's it's not as they good like as the They like shit on thing. it? Yeah, and I'm like, I, I don't know, man. The story of Avatar The Last Airbender is pretty incredible. I mean, outside of the fact that they just have the most believable, lovable, m- most intricate Nickelodeon characters on I know, the show. of all things, Nickelodeon. Yeah. Like, what the hell? I, I mean, in that, in that show, like it's a three-season show that set out from the get-go and said, we're a three-season show. We know exactly where we're going with this. And they 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 fulfilled it, and I mean, yeah, it's not it's not perfect. There are some there's some filler episodes. But my favorite thing about that show is they even poke fun at the things that are wrong with them. So, um, I, man, I love that show. I, I think the way it, it also outside of just the animation style, they they the, the creators of that show were very meticulous about studying uh, different fighting styles um, for, from different parts of Asia uh, that they wanted to apply to the different nations in Avatar: The Last Airbender. So. I don't think it's any less artful. I think it is just kind of its own thing that's kind of growing in its own way. And, you know, as we live in the internet era, uh, we live in the, in the information age. So the more we all are influenced by, cause Japan's been influenced by Western animation. I mean, oh, definitely. heck, I mean, samurai movies, uh, were, were inspired by Westerns. So, um, and then samurai movies, of course, then inspired samurai Jack and a lot yeah. of other, uh, a lot of other films. So, uh, I think those influences, our, our, the history is important, but also knowing that the more we're around, the more influ- the more connected we all get, the more we're all going to influence each other, and it's going to continue to evolve in its own way. And anime has become a little more Western. At what I should say, anime from Japan is going to become a little more Western, and uh, American animation is going to be more influenced by j- Japanese uh, source material. And I think I think that's fine. That's just kind of the way things are heading. Um, Samurai Jack, though, that's that's another one because that that film is it is inspired by samurai films, like it, blatantly so. But that that show, what's brilliant about that is uh, unlike Avatar: The Last Last Airbender, which has tremendously great writing and, and has really nuanced characters. Samurai Jack relies on visual storytelling. It's quiet. It's, yeah. Whole There's like no dialogue, none. Yeah, and, and, and every episode of Samurai Jack is something completely different. There are there's a, there's one episode in particular that actually plays like a silent film, like an old school silent film where there's like little title cards that yeah. pop up where he should be talking and he's wearing, he's like running around this town opening doors and yeah, it's Scooby-Doo type yeah, shit. Yeah, Scooby-Doo type stuff. So, uh, but then you've also got episodes that are all in black and white and, and there was a really great one and I think season three or four where he has to fight this like shadow demon. So there's a scene where they're like hopping back and forth between white and like when they're in the light, I you remember can't that see episode. them. But when yeah. they're in the black, you can see they're so it's like white outline. Yeah. Man. I remember how cool and like just how stylistic that show is. Like, uh, like even like transitions between, sh- between like, uh, scenes, it'd be like, you know, one panel up top and then a, a panel in the middle and then a panel at the bottom to yeah. show like a progression of him, like running or something yeah. instead of just showing a scene of him running. It's like, 
really like intricate and like a, a lot different than anything you would see. Like, I don't, there's nothing you can compare that show to because it's no. so, and if, if you don't really think about how quiet it is until you like, if someone brings it up like this and you're like, holy shit, there's like really like never any dialogue. In Hardly this. at all. Like, but it's because like you said, they rely so heavily on visuals mm-hmm. and I think they knock it out of the park. Who, who did that? Was that Gennady yeah, Tarkovsky? Yeah, it was a uh, Gennady Tarkovsky. And that was right after he had done uh Dexter's lab yeah, and Powerpuff, Powerpuff Girls. Girls. Yeah. But it's just like, it's just crazy. And even in those shows, there's like, a heavy like a uh, anime inspiration oh, oh um, yeah you watch, like, like the whole the, the, the cartoon network uh yeah they might have been western animes but all their stylings were borrowed from japan because when they were making those shows anime was popular dragon ball z was really popular so they're like okay we got to make our stuff more like dragon ball z that was american make it appeal to the kids mm-hmm. yeah and i think uh you know dragon ball z uh, sorry i should say samurai jack is always going to hold a special spot in my heart because i that was that was uh one of those shows i watched and it never ended and I was like, it just, it just stopped. Like it, it didn't even have like a proper, like mid season finale feel. I just, Oh, Hey, like there's a, there's an episode and then we're just not going to come back for, you know, 17 years. <laughs> I know it was a long break. I should say 13 years rather. It, it, so whenever they announced that and, 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 you know, I have mixed feelings about this weird nostalgia culture we're in where everything we're rebooting everything. I've got yeah, mixed feelings. No. But that was a show. Whenever they said it was come back, I was like, all right, finally, because it's not, Re- revamp it's not rebooting the show it's just finishing yeah the what story they started they set out to do like in 2004 or sorry yeah. 2001 rather yeah it's not like they drop trow and they're like we're out of ideas so let's just reboot something like they're doing with like every movie these days right it's like okay like this is uh, it's almost like fan service like we're gonna actually go in and finish this thing that we've been working on like people have been asking for it for years when it worked out because i think his audience, the the audience who grew up with with Samurai Jack, aged up, and, and because of that, they they aired on Adult Swim and were a lot more mature. So you saw a lot more blood, which, you know, I'm sure when Gennady Tarkovsky was brainstorming the show, he knew he couldn't show blood. But there's certainly times where he uses like oil and a lot of other stuff. Where you're like, Ooh, it looks like blood. This could be really he cool would, if it was blood. Yeah, he know? would like kill a robot, like cut a robot, and it would like splatter oil, and you're like, oh, oh. yeah. Oh, I just recently a Fathom Events did. Uh, uh, yeah, they did a Samurai Jack. They played the, the first three episodes. Yeah. It was like the premiere movie or whatever. And man, there's like, he fights this army of robots at the end and he is just like drenched in black oil, you know, which again, it still looks incredible, but you're like, hmm, man, this would have been 10 times darker if those were like living creatures. And, and, and what's really cool too is uh, the, uh, that the season four or sorry, season five, the last season that just came out recently, they addressed, not only that, they addressed it. Like when he actually kills someone, not a robot for the first time, it's like a big deal. Yeah. Like he has to like, reconcile if whether that was the right thing to do or not because he just took a life which is something he swore he would never do um so yeah just powerful powerful storytelling and that's i I think that's still to this day one of the greatest pieces of american animation ever made well it's really thematic too like you're saying is like he had like that deeper pull of like you know the sense of right and wrong and that he would never kill anyone that he does and he has like that reckoning and he's trying to reconcile it's like he's going through the stages of grief almost yeah well and, and the other question i mean the way it deals with time travel which is kind of funny and it's not super complicated but the whole notion of him trying to get back to the past to undo aku means that the longer that when you really go back and watch that show and and, and have taken that in, you're like oh wait that means none of the people he's saving are going to exist because he's going to undo this world before it's created which is really fascinating because it's it, it's a it's a long running inner conflict with that character. That's just, it, it's downplayed most of the time, but like, it's just kind of underneath the surface that again, that really comes to the forefront of that last season. Yeah. It's interesting for sure. I, I love that show. And I remember it, it's true because like 
as a kid, when you watch it, you just watch it just for the novelty of it, right? Like it's, uh, oh, this is like a cool show. I like the, the how it looks and everything. It looks good. Um, almost in the same vein as like I always tap this one as like a, a an interesting example is with a Gundam Wing. Oh, yeah. Is that you watch it just because it's a mech and you're like, these cool robots. Mm-hmm. But then the whole undertone of the the show is like very political. They're trying to overthrow the government. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, Kush Renata. Like they're trying to like take him out and everything. Like it's just like, there's like that whole under like the story under the actual visuals that you don't actually pick up on when you're a kid. And then you rewatch it as an adult and you're like, Jesus, like, this is like, these guys are like anarchists. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's what's funny too. Like whenever they were peddling all this anime and sure, Dragon Ball Z might be nice and innocent, but hell dude, I'll even say season three of Digimon, which is my favorite one series three tamers, which is the whole we're in the real world. And then the Digimon show up anyway. Like that's the one, like they imported some pretty political, like really hefty, weighty political stuff that I don't think they weren't really, that was, uh, there were moments when I've seen uh, in both of those shows you just mentioned, I mean, Gundam and Digimon, I was like, dude, there's no way they intended to show this to children ever <laughs> because this is way too dark and way too heavy. But yet, sure enough, even with the dubs, it was still like, holy crap, this is heavy stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. And the, uh, the, I love that you mentioned the advent of like the uh, <laughs> Digimon versus Pokemon. Um, just because like me personally, like I loved both growing up. Um, but it's so funny. Like when you talk about people that it's almost polarizing, you know, it's like you're either one or the other. And I wonder what it is. Like, I, I guess it's just us as a culture or whatever is like naturally we have, you know, we're predisposed to be either like you're with this or you're with this. Like there's no, we like, we like teams. We like, we love us versus them, especially yeah. uh, in, in the West here in America where we've got a two party system. It's kind of ingrained in the thinking that kind of binary one way or the other. Uh, and it, it plays out team Jacob, team Edward, team Jacob, team <laughs> Captain America versus uh, team Iron Man. You know, like we love teams and you know, here's the thing. Uh, I, I don't really buy into the team thing generally. Um, like Star, Star Wars versus Star Trek, I say both because both are fantastic and wonderful for completely different reasons. But when it comes to Pokemon versus Digimon, like, one of them is way better you're than like, the God other. like, damn it, Digimon's better. It's like, it, I mean, like, I'm, I'm like, if you really sit down and look at these as like, Stories like there's not even a not even a question, but so this is the one. And I promise I'm not trying to be a Stomach fan. I'm like I'm saying I have watched several of the Pokemon. We, I did we did Pokemon the first movie on a podcast I did back when I was on uh, I was on an episode of the Good Trash genre cast and we did a live show, did a live analysis of it, and I was like, dude, this movie's so bad, and I wanted to like it. I was like, dude, I remember loving this movie in the theater, uh, and I watched I Pokemon in that same vein just because I was on the Pokemon train. I was like, well, Pokemon 2000, ooh, that one's bad. Pokemon three with the unknown ooh but celebi and pokemon oh ooh, yeah uh and then the show just that's a whole con- that's a whole tangent pokemon i have i love the hell out of the games because they're really well games uh really well made games uh i mean just some, some of the best rpgs consistently but the sh- anime is very much a cash-in <laughs> that is not interested in telling story arcs with complete... St- uh, sorry, uh, a show that is interested in character arcs or story arcs. It's one of those... It's kind of like One Piece uh, or a, or uh, maybe... Uh, here's another one. A soap opera. Something that go per- perpetually exists in order to make money but has no intention of ever ending. No moving forward or anything. Ash- it's 2017. 20 years, Ash Ketchum, <laughs> sorry, Ash Ketchum has not won the freaking Pokemon Championship yet. He's not beaten the Elite Four and beaten the champ. How is that possible? I know. I, I beat the Elite Four in the game. Come I know. on, dog. I beat it like 20 years ago. 
Like why? Like, <laughs> Where have you been? And you know what I can say about Digimon at the end of every season? I can say who, dude, Ty, he, he was an, he was hothead guns a blazing. Don't, doesn't give a shit. Want to be leader in the first episode of Digimon, but throughout the series, he learned about the consequences of violence, how he is self, like his insistence upon using violence in order to conquer his threats, uh, puts his team in harm's way. And also once he realizes that has to wrestle with the fact that he has gotten people hurt or Digimon killed because of his stupidity. And by the end he has grown into, he becomes the leader that he wanted to be in the first episode. I mean like that's a, that's a complete story arc. Like in the Digimon are there kind of as, uh, I mean they are their own characters, but they're pretty static. They all have very distinct personalities, but they're also the, Digimon don't change too much. It's more about, uh, well, I should say they're Digimon partners. There, there are Digimon specifically in like series two and three that have very tragic, uh, like robust characters, robust, I mean, great characters, uh, Bialzamon and, uh, Impmon slash Bialzamon and, and Digimon Tamer series three. Like, I mean, moves to tears, uh, tragic character, but uh, yeah, the Digimon partners are generally pretty flat. Um, but like they're there to, help the their 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 partners or human partners grow in a certain way and that's why they're a lot of times opposites that or they in like any partnership they help fill a weakness that that character has so i mean like digimon that's why i will always say i mean versus pikachu is just there to look cute say pikachu get pissed off at ash charge the charizard's there to be an asshole for ash ash to yell at (laughs) like it's i don't feel like like it it doesn't yeah very formulaic and it doesn't go anywhere i mean how long again how long do you have to go so uh Maybe there's more to say there. Uh, Pokemon's fine. I, I appreciate that people appreciate it, but I think <laughs> I think if I'm like as a, as even as a, as a cultural critic, like I could write massive essays about like all these really rich themes about any one of the characters and any one of the, at least the first four series that I'm familiar with, and I, I don't think I could do that for any of the Pokemon characters. Yeah, it was like the the acknowledgement of how bad of a trainer Ash is is just terrible. never. It's just never there. And you're like, this guy's garbage. Yeah. And then they're effectively, they're like, they're like little creature slaves. They are. (laughs) That's the other thing. Digimon partners. Yeah. I I mean like, and they can talk and they can talk. They have, they're autonomous. There are times where they say, can I I cast around? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I say, fuck off, you're being a dumbass, and they, they leave and do their own thing for a while. Like, but they ultimately still come around as partners, but they have autonomy. And yes, sure, making them fight. They fight because they want to versus the master lets them go from a Pokeball to do it. So, yeah, that's just an, that's another weird thing, too. I, I it's, it's Pokemon's essentially glorified dog fighting. Again, as a guy, <laughs> as a guy who plays all of the games and totally does this, I'm just saying. And I also think, you know, if we're going to get into more into Digimon, I think it was actually way ahead of its time because of the. The, the way we talk about artificial intelligence in 2017 uh, and the way that they they kind of talk about the Internet and how data takes on a life of its own. Like those are all great concepts that worked in 98 and 98, 99. But like they actually seem plausible now to some degree. I mean, obviously, there's not some big magical fantasy world, but like the idea that things on the internet could develop on its own or artificial intelligence could develop on its own and, and create its own little reality uh, on the internet. That's not, I mean, that's not impossible. That's plausible with today's technology and, and the rate in which AI is, is, is growing smarter. So I think in that way, it's also kind of ahead of its time that the fiction there is ahead of its time. Uh, cause, cause I feel like it, if Digimon were to come out today, 
I think it would like a lot of the no, the concepts they introduce would, would connect with kids, uh, especially like the idea of digivices. Everyone's got cell phones. Like I didn't have a cell phone when Digimon was on. Like it just all that stuff. I feel like would connect a lot more in, in 2017 than it did, you know, in 1999. So yeah, I, I love Digimon though. I can yeah, talk definitely. about it all day. <laughs> I, uh, it's just funny to hear about that one. Cause it really was like, if you think about it, like just really ahead of its time, but then there's like shows like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched reboot. It was on Cartoon Network. It was on, it was on, um, Toonami as well, but it was (laughs) a really bad, like 3d, like, like 3d back in 98 though. Like really bad. Like it's kind of like beast wars. Were you, did you ever watch beast wars? Yes. It's exactly like beast wars. Oh, it's like, you can't can't even watch it. Like you try to watch it. You're like, Oh, Oh, this is bad. This (laughs) looks like a, this looks like a PlayStation one beta. Exactly. It's, 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 it is cancer for the eyes. The, uh, the uh that show it has like it's all themed on like you know it's these people living in this computer and it's all really like tech based and it just like doesn't hold up now like <laughs> there's like yeah. a uh you know the main villain's name is like megabyte and it's just like Ooh. oh this is like it's all like that real corny like computer lingo lingo you know i also watched metabots i always forget about that one that was a fun you ever watch that one metabots yeah what was that it was kind of some so it was it was more like Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the TV show. Oh, or, yeah. Uh, well, you know, have you seen that movie Real Steel with Hugh Jackman? Yes. It was a lot more like that, where like like you, you bought these robots, and then you would train your robots, and they would go fight each other in a, an arena. Yeah, I remember this. It was very similar to Beyblade. It's, it's funny. I yeah, get, Beyblade. Yeah, That's what I was going to yeah, say. It looks Beyblade like Beyblade's and, branding. Well, it's funny because it looks like they both look very... I don't know which one came first. They look very similar, and, and actually, like the way the show is structured is like almost exactly the same. So <laughs> there are a lot of times i actually forget which one happened what because they both end in an arena where the bad guy f's up the world championship somehow and tries to use that device to take over the world or something crazy like that and so i always forget wait which one happened which plot line yeah, happened like what's where, where? it's the same notion instead of tops fighting each other it's robots tops it really was and it, it was like i used to like think about like how cool those things were and it's like in reality they were just like little tops oh did you buy any i no, i, I had like it. some knockoff ones just because we were broke or whatever but i had a couple of friends that had like the uh stadium thing yeah. and everything i was just like holy shit but then it's like it, was the worst it doesn't pan out because it's like it's not like the show you no, know no. <laughs> like where the, the the monsters would cut the bit beast would come out of the things when they got up to their highest level speed yeah. or whatever yeah and i totally had one of those domes the arena and my friends had it and we would trade beyblades and stuff like that man let's baby <laughs> Uh, it was not as cool as you, it, you, you always had to, uh, imagine really hard that it was way cooler when you're watching because yeah. in the show it's like three-part battle versus a uh, 20 seconds in real life i know like you spin it and then it's like half a minute later the thing already fell over yeah it's like what the hell what's going on uh there was another show i remember called like monster ranchers oh monster do you remember Rancher? That? i do remember that one that one had a weird uh, had a had a video game tie-in as well i now that one i remember less but i remember the bad guy's name was Mo, Mo, and he had. I don't the, the, remember it that. Had a, it had a catchy as hell theme song too. Um, Unlock ca- your disc. That's what it was. It Unlock was your like, disc. Oh, nice. That's what it was. Monster it was like, Rancher. Yeah. Dum 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 dum. Disc stones. That's what it was. Disc stones are almost impossible to find in like the ruins or whatever. And then there's like a monster trapped inside was, each one. There and was it was a girl like, named Pixie that was like their companion or friend or something. Or it was like the anti-hero. I don't remember. I remember bits and pieces of that, but I, I couldn't tell you what the storyline was. I completely forgot about that. Um, 
I don't know what made me think of that. I think it was whenever you brought up uh, Beyblade. Beyblade. I just like shot that into my brain. Well, they all came like that. I'm talking about. They all came out on the same time. So every network wanted their Digimon Pokemon. They wanted oh, their flagship. Oh wait, wait. WB's got Pokemon. We got Digimon. Okay, they got we got they got they got Beyblade. We've got Metabots. Look at that. Uh, you know, Monster Rancher. I believe was a Fox Kids show, if I remember correctly. Um, so that was another one just like, again, just importing all this thing. and Fox had, and Fox did have to put a lot out because they had to compete with Dragon Ball Z and yeah. Pokemon and Pokemon on two big ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny, man. Like, uh, yeah, you just like think about all the different things and you're like, these are essentially the same thing. Like I remember watching, uh, yeah. I was always a huge fan of power Rangers, of course. Oh yes. Uh, but then like Beetleborgs and oh. I'm like fucking Beetleborgs. Oh, big bad Beetleborgs. Okay. So I, I did watch a couple episodes of that as a kid tried in college to rewatch it because it's, it's, it's on netflix it's unwatchable it's on, and no it is we and my friend who who watched it when we were kids we're like let's pop an episode on to see what happens <laughs> we couldn't make it through the theme song like we were laughing so hard we're like we're not gonna we can't do it, it like makes mighty Morphin power rangers look watchable yeah like totally. as bad as power rangers is because it's it's formulaic hey, it's dude, monster I, of the week yep the same shit happens yep. every time hey i'll tell you what though i'm a sucker i stayed on the power rangers train for a long oh, time i went all the way i mean there was and i know way more about power rangers than i should uh like because there was the whole <laughs> like original conceived story arc that goes all the way through the in space series and then they're yeah. like oh we're gonna cancel it oh wait this, this, it, if you take stuff into space apparently it's a huge hit so let's do a second Second season in Lost space Galaxy. called Lost Galaxy. You know, I remember that. The Power Rangers, Lost Galaxy. Yeah, and then they did. Um, oh God, the one written like in the Bay. Or SPM something. Uh, or it was uh, SPD. SPD. Oh, I didn't something watch like that, that one. It was one of those though. And it was like had, yeah, they were like uh, time. Like, time Force was a great one. Yeah, though, Time I'm, Force. I'm time, for time travel. So yeah, watch that one. Yeah, I remember that one. There was one where they they were like uh, firefighters and like uh, paramedics. And what was the name of that? It wasn't SPD. That SPD came later. Uh, it man, was Power it Rangers. It was a. Uh, oh man, yeah, but yeah, Power Rangers was fun. I, I watched a lot of those as well. I, but, but it's funny because I took a break. There was a break there for a while where I didn't watch anime. And I'm glad you mentioned Avatar: The Last Airbender because that was really. Uh, I, again, I didn't watch that when it was on either. I watched it when it was on Netflix in college, and I just I fell head over heels for it. Um, and and that and that's a show that I think works as a really great fantasy but what i also like is that, that they did come back with legend of korra a couple years uh, well actually a couple it was several years later like six or seven eight years later which is a show that's a lot darker and edgier and the themes are a lot more mature and honestly the show does a lot a lot of things i think are i, I kind of can't believe nickelodeon did ultimately um so that yeah, Korra was. Fan- did you ever watch that one, Legend of Korra? I did. I I saw some of uh, Last Airbender, but I never really got into it. I was oh. like always told my guests, like I've seen an episode or two, just like in passing. But then Legend of Korra is like it's like the spiritual successor, right? It's actually a sequel in a way. It's like it's like the next Avatar in the cycle. Because you know how it works, right? With with Avatar: The Last Airbender, it's like there's a there's one every yeah. There's one. Well, there's one per generation. Per every when, generation, when, uh, an Avatar dies. Like it goes the so there's the four elements fire water earth and, and air so whenever like uh the fire per you know, the fire uh avatar died well then ang was born into the the air tribe and then the next one is Korra and the water tribe um so it's like the next generation but there's still some of the original characters who are very very old who are around who like his best friends and their kids that are kind of like the main cast dang okay uh but it's really cool because they they didn't they could have just left in that same world and been cool but they actually evolved it they're like oh 
we, they hit a technological age. So it like, it, it, it was a lot more steam. Like the original was more like a fantasy with some technology, like boats and stuff. Kind of think like uh, the manufacturing era, uh, or the early industrial age a little bit, you know, for the, for after the last year, but the core was full blown steampunk. They developed power plants and Jesus, cars, like wild, wild west, all stuff like that. No, it was, that was, what was really <laughs> cool. Like, like the story was really good. And the com- characters were compelling, but they were, they just, t- there's a great deal of care that went into how that world functioned. And they, they, they knew what they were doing. And then, and because they were kind of still playing it to the same audience, they realized their audience was more mature. So they took on a lot of darker, stuff and edgier stuff. And ultimately, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but they, <laughs> they, they, I mean, yeah, like Cora ends up being a character. Okay. I'll, I'll, you can go ahead. You can go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So Cora ends up, <laughs> so there's this huge love triangle without the entire show. It's like, Oh, is she going to go with guy one or guy two or whatever? Uh, but then about season three, her and her best friend starts to get to be really best friends. Her friend is And ultimately they end up being like, she comes like at the end, like they, they hold, like they hold hands looking at each other very romantically, like, and walk into the spirit realm together, which is really cool because especially at the time, like not really any LGBTQ characters that I can think of that make it on TV, especially Nickelodeon and animation. So yeah, that was, that was really cool. I was like, holy crap. I can't believe they, uh, they did that. That's they pulled off. They like pulled a, it yeah. off and yeah. didn't get sh- the plug pulled out. <laughs> so, uh, was it Lightspeed rescue? Lightspeed rescue. That was, okay, it. Cool. that was it. Yeah. I was like, man, what was it? And that came out in 2000. Holy shit. 2000. Oh Good my God. God. So 17 years. Oh, 17 years ago. <laughs> Yikes. Shit. And yeah, yeah, and then Time old. Force. We're old, my friend. Time Force, I think, is where I fell off. Because in Wild Force, I don't know what the fuck I that did. is. I did. I watched Wild Force. That's as far as I got, though. Damn. Wild Force also featured the episode Forever Red, which was the 10th anniversary. Oh, yeah, all the Red Rangers. Rangers. Where all the Red Rangers from every series before showed up. And, yeah, it was Dang, it was I fucked with that. I have to watch that again. That Hey, if you're going to revisit Power Rangers, there's a there's a handful of episodes to look at. And Forever Red is definitely one of them. Because nice. it is just fan service-tastic. They just throw all the Red, <laughs> Red, all the red Rangers shit you've ever wanted to see it's in that episode yeah i watched like uh i've like been picking and choosing ones when i go back to watch like i watched like the introduction of like is it the gold ranger and zeo yeah yeah gold like, ranger freaking cool yeah, right and then i even just recently saw like the uh green ranger v2 armor oh yeah with the i've never even seen that but that's like like cool as yeah. hell oh the green ranger story arc in the original power rangers was great i mean that, and that was actually that's one of the reasons green is my favorite color because i thought tommy was a badass so i was like yeah green favorite color coolest costume so to this day green's my favorite color boom yeah that shit was cool and that was like actual it was like you know the the, the show was definitely like monster of the week oh. but when it got to like that part of the story it was like there's actually shit happening so you're like yeah. oh like what's it, going on with this guy i mean again it, it, oh it there's is, a new ranger what it is it is very similar again to like a soap opera now i will say there are more the way the series works is they do have story arcs and they do conclude but they just kind of set up for another series so it never ends in a way, but you kind of get your cake and eat it too because your story, like Tommy Oliver, the arc character arcs to some degree, but it also it still never ends. Yeah, they, they just kind of phase characters in and out. And Amy Jo Johnson was hot as hell. Oh yeah, she was fine. <laughs> no, yeah, I used to, yeah, I used to fuck with the uh, Power Rangers like heavy, bro. Oh yeah, and then that was funny. Like it was World seeing. Uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, Steve Cardenas. Steve Cardenas. Yeah. The one of the red Rangers, the red Ranger. Right? Yeah. yeah. But not the original Red. He was like Rocky, right? He the was sec- like Rocky. Sec- yeah. He like, was like, they fired the original guy yeah, after Jason. No, no, they hold on. Hold on. They didn't get fired. They went to go serve in the world protection force or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, 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 and IRL in real life. They all couldn't renegotiate their contracts and quit. God damn it. 
But you don't know that as a kid. You're just like, oh, okay, see you later. Let's go serve the UN and the World Protection Force. And then one of the original Black Ranger like died, or the Yellow Ranger. She died, yeah, semi recently. She like died in a car wreck. I was like, God damn, bummer. Yeah, Trini. Yeah, but yeah, I remember just uh, I saw like a interview with like Steve Cardenas, and he was with the original Black Ranger, and talking about like is Power Rangers racist for having like the the Asian Ranger be yellow and the Black Ranger be black. But I guess it went down in a different way than what we knew about. And so it was like totally not intentional from what, um, well, there's always more what they were saying. Yeah. There's more. I mean, ultimately the, ultimately the outcome is, yeah, it's, it's probably kind of caricature, but I don't, I I certainly think that that probably wasn't the intention. There's always more to the story with decisions like that. Yeah. You're just like the fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Like they can't just be (laughs) out. Which is why when they recast all the Rangers, they were not that ethnicity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, one of the shows that you had like a, a, that you had said what you were a big fan of. Uh, and I want to be sure to talk about it because no one's talked about this yet on the show is a uh, Helsing ultimate. Yeah. Uh, can you kind of talk about like the, uh, like the main idea behind that show, like the main draw of it, what kind of drew you into it? I mean, dude, it's going to be shallow as all get out. Okay. That's okay. You want to see, you want to see Dracula vengefully and brutally murder Nazis and the uh, Nazi vampires in those brutal way possible. It with some of the most gorgeous art I've ever seen in anime. Yeah, you watch Helsing Ultimate. Like it is, I think it's only ten or twelve episodes. It's not very long. It is grisly. Like it is super violent. So it's basically about Dracula is uh, reawakened, and he's kind of treated as like this special superhero in a sort of way. But he's still evil. Uh, but there's also this resurgence. <laughs> there's also this resurgence of Nazis, and they're planning to take. Germany back and eventually America, but they're all vampires also. So what that leads to is it leads to Dracula working for the government, but also being like kind of rogue and just feeding the blood off of random people. Like whenever he doesn't. Yeah. And when he kills the bad air quotes, bad guys or the people working for the Nazis, he gets like, it just gets brutal, man. I'm talking like dudes, arms get chopped in half, like vertically. There's a scene where he's like, his hand turns into a blade and cuts like just, right down this guy's arm blood splattering everywhere God damn. yeah it, it's brutal but i mean when i was a sophomore in college i was all about that shit you're and like, this hook, is the shit well the hook for it was too that was a series where all of the, that entire creative team was doing it as like kind of like a passion project on the side so like you you'd be lucky if you got two episodes a year two half an hour episodes a year it came out it came out over the course of like four or five years those 10 or 12 episodes so whenever it was one thing my roommate got me into it and so like throughout my entire college career we were like all right hopefully they get through it before we graduate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know like because well, i think when i found out about it, there was like three episodes and we knew there were gonna it was gonna be i think i think it's 10 maybe it was 12 but uh and we're like we okay we got this much time and they put one out on, and that was the thing there was no there was no Reg, uh, it wasn't like regularly scheduled. It was just, it came out when it came out. Yeah. And that was kind of, kind of the allure to it too. It was like, Oh dude, waited six months and a new episode came out. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to it's see like the him. Payoff. Who, how is he going to brutally ma- obliterate this dude right now? Yeah. So it, yeah, that's kind of, it's a little bit reminiscent of, um, of like this, the new show, uh, Castlevania. Oh yeah. From what you're saying, yeah. it sounds like a, which I don't know if you watched that, but I did. that yeah. was awesome. It's just like four episodes, four episodes. I watched it in one sitting. It, it was a tease. They can't call that a TV show. It was really yeah. a glorified it was cool, movie. Though. No, no, I loved it. I, I just wish I had more uh, and I can't wait. They, they said they got renewed right off the bat for double the episodes next nice. year. Nice. So uh, I'm excited. Super to gory to too though. Oh yeah. Oh, ultra gory. Like kids getting killed and shit. I was oh, yeah. like, God damn. Well, and um, it, it gets me. It, so like stuff like that there. So sometimes when I get into anime stuff like, like that, things like the animatrix, 
uh, are really, really cool. Uh, I don't know if you, have you talked to anyone about the animatrix on this show? Yeah. Yeah. We talked about almost every episode seems like, Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I won't, I won't, I won't, uh, we won't repeat the conversation, but I I will say it's, (laughs) it's, I, I do really like whenever, whenever a lot of storytellers are going to anime either to expand upon a universe or kind of tell something like these supernatural stories. Uh, so I think like the Castlevania show, I felt like the anime felt like the perfect fit. I don't know if I want to see a live action Castlevania movie, but that anime, that style and the way they told the story fit really well. Uh, and the same way there was, um, they did that anime series, that anime tie in with the, the game for Dante's Inferno a few years back. Very similar oh, yeah. thing where you have multiple art styles with the same story, which I, I, I really dig. I, lo- I love it when they experiment with stuff like that. Yeah, it was cool. Definitely. And, uh, this is something that I kind of talk about with my guests and, it's a good way to transition into kind of like your music background and everything. But on honestly, like anime is kind of like, like back in the day, it was kind of like not the cool thing to oh, be yeah. like into. Right. Um, but I feel like that's in the same way as how people treat like your taste in music. Right. And so uh, I know you listen to kind of, and it's been like, that's what I've noticed with like some of my guests that I have on is like, um, they don't they just like just say into one thing because they are kind of all over the board. So you say you listen to like Led Zeppelin, but you also listen to like Alt J. Oh yeah. And so, can you kind of talk about like uh you know what what makes those things stick out to you? Like growing up, is it just like whatever your parents were listening to, and then you kind of branched off on shit that you liked, or what was that? Yeah. So uh, again, I was uh, really sheltered when I was a kid. So I all I listened to for the longest time, I think, until so I got Amy into Grant. like. Yeah, Amy Grant. Um, <laughs> hey, I fuck with Amy Grant. Uh, Pillar. Uh, oh, day. shit. Boy, Family um, Force 5. Uh, oh, Family Force 5. <laughs> I didn't discover Family Force 5 in no college, but you know what the hell? That Some of their stuff is catchy. As I'm, I, putting, I, I, I'm putting Love Addict on I, your list. I, I did love... <laughs> God, I had a roommate who was so into Family Force 5. He had that as his ringtone. So every time you get a text, someone just, hold up, wait a oh, minute, my. put a little love in it. Yeah. Banana. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was sheltered a lot of Christian music, a lot of Christian rock. So it was always like the alternative until, uh, I got to high school and I finally just got tired of listening to the same stuff over and over again. And that's when all my friends at the time were like very stereotypical, like high school stuff. Well, shouldn't say st- not stereotypical for everyone, but stuff you listen to, like when you're working out ACDC, Led Zeppelin, uh, Beatles, you know, all that classic rock. So for me, it was like, Oh my God, this music's so much better than the stuff I was listening to. <laughs> like, and I was like, holy crap, I've been missing out on this for the whole time. So stuff like Led Zeppelin ended up being my favorite classic rock band, but I got into all that. I went through like, poured through the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. And then I, I, the grunge era is still probably one of my favorite eras of rock and roll. I mean, so so what, Pearl Jam is is my jam. Um, uh, 10 is like one of my favorite albums of all time. So yeah, but again, that, that all came from like, I, when I realized like, oh my God, there's other stuff out there. I got my first, I remember it was, I got my iPod and then I, my friend, oh, my friend shit. took it and uploaded a bunch of his shit. And I was like, oh man, this stuff's great. So, and then that just kind of led to me like, you know, downloading a lot of music a lot of times illegally and uh <laughs> you know listening to a lot of stuff out there so i found uh radiohead was when I, I i got attached to pretty quickly um which i still listen to i, I love radiohead uh but yeah so it was just one of those it, it, and that's why it's so eclectic like my my taste in music because also like video game scores and film scores are like a touchstone um of my music like i i still 
probably get more feels when I hear a very specific uh, video game or or film score than I do any other song, just because for the longest time, the, my most emotional moments in my life were connected to film and video games. And you know, and then I got into music later, but and, and there's still some deeply moving uh, music that I I, I I still love, but. Uh, so my taste is all over the place. So the Spotify playlist where it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I tried to make it all flow somewhat, <laughs> yeah. but there's a point where I got to the end. I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. What the hell? Just throw a switch foot song in there. Cause I love switch. Foot. <laughs> yeah. I dare you to move. I dare you to move. Yeah. Now we'll throw it. I'll throw in love addict at the end of yours. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> He's like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I totally get that. Cause like it's whenever you find like new shit like that, you're like, man, I've been missing out on this my whole life when you realize and like, like you decades, feel like you, there's decades yeah. worth of awesome music that i've never heard and you you're know? like man i got like a lot of catching up to do yeah. and so yeah i've been i've definitely been that before but that's crazy that you actually knew family force five oh, i knew family force five. <laughs> oh my god played so much i saw them at a, a winter jam winter jam i know winter jam <laughs> I was like, hey, so Hawk Nelson, yeah, Hawk Nelson. Stellar Cart. Ste- oh, my God. <laughs> you know who Stellar Cart is. I know who Stellar Cart is. I didn't know other humans still knew who they were. I remember I, was, I had one of the, I don't know which album. I had one of their albums. My friend said, hey, Stellar Cart's awesome. Listen to it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's going to catch you. What is that? Somebody loves you. Oh, man. I can't remember their big song. I was trying to remember if that was. That's the thing. Not. I remember the band name. I remember the cover of the CD that I, they bought me, but my friend they borrowed. But I honestly can't remember a single song from it. Skillet cracked me up. Holy Skillet, shit. yeah. <laughs> I still to this day don't understand the name Skillet. But, hey. but man, it, it, that's the thing though. When you're in that world, and that's all you listen to. Skillet. Man, it sounds so cutty. That sounds so edgy. <laughs> so edgy. It's angsty, just yeah. like me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's thing too. And when you're in high school, you're also going through like that angsty period too, like most teenagers do. Uh, to some degree. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's like, so like the Christian alternatives to a lot of stuff is like, (laughs) in in retrospect is very weird and and quirky. And you're like, man, I can't believe I thought that was so edgy, (laughs) but you know, at the time that's all, you know, yeah, yeah. your perceptions, your reality. It's a, it's a void that only, uh, uh, distorted guitars and violins could fill. Oh yeah, man. Like I'll tell you skillet. what, uh, skillet. Let me tell you what, well, but, but Hey, to be fair, skillet probably led, <laughs> I know always did lay the groundwork for me to fall in love with, uh, Radiohead, uh, which I mentioned a couple times already, uh, or, or all J even. I love all J all J's. Did recent, you see the they were at Tol- in Tulsa, like not that long ago. Uh, next time we they thought come, about catching that next show, time they come anywhere nearby, I'm going to go because I actually just got into them a couple of years ago. And again, it was like, they had like four or five albums. Out. I was like, Oh my God, these guys are geniuses. I, I love the music where, I mean, there are certain songs, of course, where lyrics are hugely important, but like those bands that can set the mood with just, they just know how to set the mood. Like you feel the, without, before you hear the first lyric or riff or, or even you get to the, the chorus, like you just, it sets a very specific atmosphere and tone and headspace that, you know, you initially go into. So, so Alt J is good, really good about that because they have songs where I get like really depressed when I'm listening to them. Uh, and I feel uh, like excited. Like there's one, there's one, there's one song, which one what was it? I, I think it's one of the ones I put on my, it's uh, I think it's one of the alt J songs I put on my Spotify list where every time I hear it, I'm like, okay, one day I'm going to make a badass movie and I'm going to make a montage to this movie every single time. <laughs> it's like your classic, like the song that you have in mind for it's like, like it's a, gonna be a, a scene. It's, yeah. It's a scene. Yeah. It's going to be a high scene too. Where like, <laughs> where, where it's going to be like cross cutting where all these people are doing different things at the same time. You have the cops over here doing their thing and you'll have your high sky <laughs> and you'll have this, uh, this other couple down here banging and you're not sure why, but because it's a heist movie, it happens, you know, I know it's like you have it all mapped out. It's just funny. Yeah. Yep. I think everybody has done that. 
It's just like well, one of those funny right. things. It's just like you have it all. Like that song would be perfect for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I th- and I, I threw in. Um, I, I oh uh, another one that that's kind of that same wheelhouse. I put Radiohead and Alt J into. Of course, uh, has to be. Um, the Daft Punk. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they're incredible. I love everything Daft Punk's done. I, the, to this day, the Tron Legacy soundtrack is one of my favorite soundtracks. That shit is, that shit slaps today still. I mean, I, I, I've listened to that soundtrack probably more than any other soundtrack. Probably. Yeah. I, I think there are, <laughs> like from beginning to where I just sit and listen to the car. Cause it, I, I played it in my car for some, so many times. Fast there, as hell, there bro. Times, oh yeah, man. You're like, well, especially when the, when it gets to the game is changing, goes and the, the bass drops, you're like, bum, 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 And I'm like, oh shit, foot on the guard. Oh my God. Speeding ticket officer. I was listening to the song. It was more important than the law. Oh, just say Tron. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones you put on here that I, had to give you major props for his muse because oh, yeah, people God. always shit on muse for whatever reason. I don't get it. And I'm muse like, is a great band. I saw them at the, it was at the Ford center at the time. Yeah. And it was a uh, muse and a uh, passion pit open for him. Oh, passion pit. Crazy. Right good I show. Love, oh man. That's a killer. But show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Bellamy. What's his name? Matt Bellamy mm-hmm. from muse. He has like a spotlight built into his guitar. Oh, and sick. so he would like, you know, we're like in the nosebleeds and he's like showing the spot, like on the whole crowd. It was insane. Right. And then I have like a really interactive, like laser show that's going along with their, right. with their entire set. And it's just they're, like, they were awesome. I mean, like I think their music's really good, but like, I just uh, take it a step further. Their, their showmanship is incredible. Like unlike anything. you. Oh, definitely. Before. And it's yeah. just like three guys like make this much sound. Like, you know, I, 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 here's the thing. There's this weird thing when it comes to music and it's getting a little better. Uh, I think I think everyone's becoming a lot more self-aware of the phenomenon. But like there gets a certain point when it comes to music where especially when you're really passionate about this band that you love. But once they get like popular, you like shit on them. Like everyone's like, oh, wait, they sold out. I know. Like, like, what the fuck? I'm like, nah, nah, I mean, no, it's OK. Just more people listen to it. And I don't think they sell out. Like, I don't think you like, got too mainstream. I think their stuff is just as weird and crazy as it was from the beginning. I mean, certainly Radiohead bonkers shit. They didn't sell out uh, Switchfoot, which is I, I put on there, too. They're they're uh, they're meant to live, which was their most popular album. You know, when they, that was what really got their careers launched in a lot of ways. Their next album was uh, Nothing is Sound, which is a really experimental album. So, like, I don't think popularity is the death of artistic success. Now, I, you know, there is something to be said about people who are also willing to place once they get a fan base, they do want to play to that base to sell more stuff. And I think that's as a professional, that's legitimate. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing though. Yeah, man. Muse is great until they're in a twilight movie. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Oh, and you're so, like, so stupid. I can't with this. So that well, I mean, I don't really want it in a twilight movie either, but you know what? They probably got paid lots of money and guess what? Now more people listen to the band. It's this weird thing though. It, and it's not, it's with music. It's with comic books. Like as, as fan culture is just getting, as fan culture is getting to be a more and more normal thing. There's this weird thing. And I noticed this with comic book fans a lot too where they're really possessive of a character yeah. or an arc. And then once it's popular, they're like, God, I just don't care. I, I, it's so stupid. Not my Superman, Captain America, Iron Man. Like, it's this <laughs> weird thing. Like, it's special because you and, like, your five friends are the only ones who love it. But, like, once it gets popular, like, it lo- it loses that. So then people are like, oh, well, it's just not as good, you know, which I think yeah, is kind I of a bummer. Um, I mean, I know that. I know that feeling. It's like whenever Game of Thrones is now like a mega hit and I discovered it when it was like right after its first season, I was like, and and it had a big base, but it still was like Game of Thrones. It's fans. kind of like a niche thing. Yeah, it was 
exactly. It was popular, had a big base, but it was still very much Game of Thrones fans or Game of Thrones fans. And now my well, not my mom. Say my friend's mom watches it and and can talk and like people throw Khaleesi's name like you know around bar talk. It's different, and I'm like, mm, I don't know if you guys get the show in the same appreciate the show in the same way I do, but also. I'm glad more people are watching. Yeah, it. but you're not shitting on it. Like no. that show's stupid now that everybody watches it. No, like that no. makes no sense. Yeah, no, exactly. But it's like it's same thing with music culture though. It's it's very. It's I, definitely. I, it, it's a fan. There's a parallel. There's like a fan ownership that you take, and once like everyone else is a fan, it's like it, you you lose that. You feel like your ownership's being taken away, even though it's not. Like it's yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, especially like you said, with music. It's just like rampant. But yeah, I think like, people like. The big one with uh, right now for me is uh, Portugal, the man. Yeah. And like they were pretty unknown. Like we saw them, I think, at South by Southwest when oh, I was nice. in high school. And then now they're on the radio. And then it's like now everybody's like, oh, well, I listened to Portugal, the man five years ago. It's like, well, fucking good for you. Now everybody's listening to them. Yeah. And now they're putting, out, <laughs> and they're putting out new stuff. Cool. And are we upset about the new stuff? I mean, you know, like, hey, that band you liked is making more stuff that theoretically you might like. Yeah. You know? Eh. Yeah. I, I do think, I think I'm glad you mentioned that in the, in the, in the breath of Muse, though, because I do, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a lot of people who said they went way too mainstream. And, and, you know, there's something to that. I, I don't disagree that they shifted a little bit as they got more popular, but I, I still think they are doing things with music that, other musicians aren't doing i think ultimately that's the most important thing yeah definitely no yeah i definitely agree man it's crazy uh well caleb thanks for coming out man um real quick why don't you tell people where they could find you like on social uh either you personally or like your project uh the cinematropolis and all that good stuff yeah well first and foremost you can find me personally on twitter at c masters talk that's letter c masters talk uh and you can find um i I tweet about anime i tweet about movies a lot video games uh what's my favorite fandoms uh but also like uh I also try to be a little more thoughtful. So you'll see me post a lot of essays from the Cinematropolis on there. Um, Cinematropolis, I'm a member of the Oklahoma film critic circle. So a lot of times I'll be on their podcast. I'll tweet out stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so you can find most of my work right now is going to be found at the, the cinematropolis.com. Uh, again, if you are looking for more thoughtful conversations on film, you want to talk more about what's going on in your film and you want to take that deep dive and learn a lot more about the themes and actually have a conversation about it. I think the Cinematropolis is going to be a great place for you. And you can find uh, us on Twitter at the Cinematrop or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Cinematropolis. There it is. And of course, you can always follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tunes, Tunes Podcast. That's T U N E S slash T O O N S. Instagram, what did I say? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. And then iTunes and Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, oh, and also, sorry, one last plug. Uh, we, we did just launch our first po- episode of the Cinematic Schematic, which is our podcast over uh, at the Cinematropolis. So head on over, give us give us like it's a multi-segment show. So we have in, in our first episode, we have three different segments, one talking about Blade Runner, one talking about film scores, and one just interviewing a local uh, screenwriter kind of about how to write films that are marketable here in Oklahoma. Uh, it's a great, uh, I'm really proud of our first episode and we have one episode that comes out a month with a lot of additional goodies that are dropped th- uh, in the RSS feed for subscribers throughout the month. So I hope you'll check us out there on iTunes or Stitcher Radio as well. Yeah. Thanks again, Caleb. Yeah. Pleasure to be here.